All right, what's up, world? We're here with the first ever episode of the Hex and Cube podcast, where we talk about tabletop games and the community that plays them. Uh, this podcast is actually an extension of hexandcube.com, uh, which is a blog that I run that has uh, some cool game reviews and top five lists and other great articles on game design and, and things of that nature. Uh, I am your very own Kyle Schubert, and I am joined today by the other three-fifths of the Lakes Area Board Gamers. We had one one gentleman, one good friend not uh, not be able to make it. Uh, so we're going to hopefully get him on the, the next episode. So, Lakes Area Board Gamers, that's our, our gaming group. I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves in a little bit. Uh, but it's just a, a group that we formed to promote the board gaming hobby in our community and in northwest iowa and now through the podcast the world <laughs> hello world <laughs> yeah do you guys want to say hello 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 <laughs> joel's voice is just so silky smooth we gotta gotta get that on uh so we our group uh we run a lot of cool events we we try to do some cool stuff in our area uh, we have a, besides our weekly, or we try to do a weekly game night, uh, which we meet in each other's homes. Uh, besides that, we do a monthly game night at our FLGS. Uh, but we also do a annual convention, which we are in the process of, of pretty much wrapping up the planning for uh, now. Uh, but that is going to be in January. Okaboji, Iowa, Lakes Area Game Fest. So if you're listening and you happen to be in the Midwest, but probably closer to Northwest Iowa, uh, make sure you go check out the website for that, lakesareagamefest.com. Um, you can also check out our group on Facebook if you're interested at all uh, in, in what's going on and what we're doing there. So, our format for the show for tonight uh, is going to be a little bit different than uh, what I'd like the format to be going forward. So, normally what the format is going to be is uh, we'll get on, maybe cover some, some late-breaking news uh, within our group and, and just stuff that we're doing, uh, but then we'll go into a discussion of the games that we played at our game night. We'll, we'll talk about what we played and, and uh, what we thought of those games, and then we'll move on to some kind of topic that will be chosen beforehand. Uh, but tonight, we're going to be doing that in reverse order. So we're going to be talking about the topic, which is not so much a topic as much as it is uh, simply each of us doing a little bit of show and tell minus the show because you can't see what we're doing. <laughs> it's tell and tell. It's tell It's tell and teller. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the topic tonight is, is uh, more of an introduction where each of us is going to share with you guys um, and gals a, a little bit about our uh, gaming history, how we got into games, 
and then what kind of games we're into, uh, what our gaming tendencies are. And then after that, we will talk a little bit about our game night, our, our most recent game night, which just happened to be this very night mm -hmm. that we are recording. Uh, before we recorded, we, we got to play a, a cool game. So we will talk about that. Our topic for next episode uh, is going to be the games that we enjoy playing with non-gamers. Uh, why? Why we? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't tell the group that that was going to be our next topic, but uh, I thought it would be exciting for them to hear right now. I'm excited. It's riveting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll be talking about the. Uh, games that we like to play with non-gamers, why why we like those games, why we don't lose interest in those games, as many of the games that we play are are deep into the hobby, I would say. And then, you know, why why do why do people that don't really like hobby game games like those kinds of games? And and uh, yeah, why they why they work for us. So that will be next topic. But for tonight, we're gonna start off with our introductions. Um, so I'll let I'll let Joe kind of yeah start us off. <clears throat> Perfect. So my name is Joe Weber, and I think like most most people in the hobby, I probably got introduced to the idea of board gaming when I was a kid. We would bust out Monopoly on occasion as a family, and my parents were big uh, card players, traditional deck of playing cards. Um, and they still are. And when they come visit us, we get, you know, we hang out as a family. We do a lot of traditional card game playing as well. But there were some board games kind of sprinkled in there in the mix, the mass market stuff uh, through my childhood years. And I always had fun with that stuff, but it was never something that stuck or that I, that I kind of kept hold of. Typical story. Um, and then I, I actually got introduced to hobby gaming for the first time. When I was in college and I studied abroad in Austria, and of course, you know the the European gaming scene is is a really big deal. And I had a I had a, a number of people when I went to that study abroad program tell me that the coolest class that you had to take when you were studying abroad was economics and everyday life. And right about now, you're probably wondering how in the world that relates to board gaming. <laughs> and it's actually it's pretty bizarre. So. The professor who taught that course was a big-time board gamer, and he actually used game theory to teach economics. So basically, the reason this class was so much fun for people was because he took a totally different approach to what a lot of people would consider a pretty boring, mundane subject, and he made it really fun, and he made it really engaging, and he told stories, and he talked about games, and not just board games or tabletop games, but the idea of economics being a game in life or a lot of situations in life actually being a game where you can kind of guess the outcome or you can you can influence what somebody else might do based on what your choices and your decisions are and he would tell crazy stories about his own life and and all kinds of stuff and he would use game theory and the the general subject of game theory as a way to teach economics and it was a fascinating class but a big part of that was board gaming and his interest and his passion in board gaming. So he told us about Board Game Geek. Um, he talked about actual popular board games. And so at that time, this was around 2005. So Ticket to Ride had just come out and was a big deal. Um, I think Puerto Rico was number one on the uh, BGG top 10. You had Twilight Struggle. 
um, you know, uh, and, and games at that point like Raw and, and others were, you know, really kind of in their prime um, being, you know, uh, three, five years old, some of these, some of these games, or, or Raw is maybe a little older than that, but that one comes to mind because it's still one of my favorite games today. So I was introduced to this idea of hobby gaming in, in Europe, in Austria, and had the opportunity to play some different games with my classmates and, and the professor of this course, and really had a lot of fun with it, but it still didn't really stick. It was this experience that I had when I was in Europe. So it was kind of this almost compartmentalized thing, I think, for me, mm. that I, I had this fun and exciting experience, but some of my classmates, it stuck more with them, and they brought that passion and that excitement for this new hobby home with them. And so then over the years, uh, the rest of my time at college, I would play Catan and um, and, a, and a, just a variety of different games. At that time, it was called Settlers, actually, because the original name mm-hmm. of the game was Settlers, the Settlers of Catan. So we call it Settlers. So then it was weird when I got back into the hobby <laughs> years later and people are calling it Catan. And I'm like, wait, is this Settlers a different game? Catan. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, OK, I know what that is. Uh, but gradually, I, I got into gaming more because I had friends that were into the hobby and it became a social thing. It still is to this day. And anybody that's already in the hobby knows that, that that's, that's probably a big part of the reason that you're in the hobby is because it's something that you can do that's enjoyable and you get to share that experience with other people in a very personal way. Mm-hmm. And so because of my friends um, sharing that experience with me while I was in Europe or other friends of mine who didn't go when I went, but they also went on that study abroad program. Basically, it was all attributed to this one professor who was like a board game evangelist for a, for a lot of these college students, you know, who, who went to Europe. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I had an introduction and then I had a, maybe a brief hiatus of a couple of years. And then I got back into gaming with my friends. And like I said, a lot of it was playing Settlers um, and, and things like Werewolf or The Resistance or things like that that you can play on a college campus really easily with just about anybody. But then um, just kind of slowly picked it up from there. And yeah, I really got into the hobby pretty strong probably around 2014. Joel, who's here, one of the guys tonight, one of our, our co-founders is my brother-in-law and, and he, you know, he'll tell his story next here. And, but, uh, you know, we live in the same town and... and had an opportunity to hang out a lot with our wives and a couple, you know, yeah, play a lot of games. So yeah, yeah. boom. And then uh, I met Kyle, and, and I'll let him tell that that part of the story too. But that's that's kind of what really kickstarted everything that we've been doing as a group. So awesome. I feel like you've mentioned that the the Austria thing before, like, but I never really thought about it. Like that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's I funny. Same thing. Yeah, it's funny because we, we talked about the topic for tonight. And, and I thought about it a little bit and I was like, I, I don't think I've really ever processed how amazing that is yeah. for myself. So it was cool that, that I had that opportunity for a couple of days to kind of think about it just a little bit. And it's not like I, I dwelt on it a lot. It's just as I really stopped and actually thought about it, it was pretty interesting how, pretty cool. how uh, the experience for me really was just kickstarted in Europe, which is sort of, and, and Austria, Germany, you know, sort of this hub of game design. And yeah really where you you could consider sort of the birthplace of, of modern board games. greatest. That's place. awesome. Greatest games. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Thanks, Joel. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll have Joel go next. Yeah, then. sure. Um, I, I grew up 
Uh, oh, but by the way, I'm Joel, Joel Roush. Um, I'm, I'm Joe's brother-in-law and been living in Northwest Iowa here for probably about six years now, seven years. Anyways, so I grew up a Magic and Pokemon kid. So okay. that's kind of where it started for me. And I didn't really understand really what board games were. You know, you played Life, you played the Monopoly, which were the most boring games on the planet, but you just did it anyway because people told you to. So we didn't know any better. <laughs> that's yeah, we really, didn't, we didn't really. Know any that's kind of it. Yeah. So that's kind of what we did, and not until college, my brother bought me a copy of Catan. I think it was probably around 2006, 2007. And then he brought my bro- he brought my other brother a copy of Last Night on Earth, so we played Last Night on Earth, not Catan, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I fell in love with Last Night on Earth, and I think it was the theme. Really, the theme games really got me. Which is a zombie. Theme it's a zombie, yeah, zombie theme. Yeah, I actually don't know what that game is. It's, it's pretty fun, pretty fun yeah. game, pretty silly fun game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but so we played that. I actually never played Catan. It sat on my shelf forever. I thought it just looked really boring. The box looked stupid. I was just like, what is this? I'm not going to play this. So then we played Last Night on Earth, and it kind of evolved, and we discovered Arkham Horror. And at that time, I, my mind was blown with Arkham Horror. I loved the co-op. I loved the theme, the story. It's, I just thought it was really cool just uh, living these characters and playing this game and solving mysteries, all that fun stuff. So I kind of kind of took a break for a little bit, um, was moving around a lot, didn't really play games my and then I eventually kind of got into miniature gaming. So my other brother and I we got into War Machine, and I was just a big fan of painting miniatures. Um, really easy hobby to do, and I enjoy doing it. It's relaxing. And then we would play the game, and we just get mad at each other and to curse, and it was it, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so you go from this nice calm thing to just frustration and anger. <laughs> so I don't really do the miniature theme much more. Um, but then it kind of took off, and this was where Joe was kind of alluding, when Gloomhaven, the second Kickstarter, and I just stumbled upon this game, and I just, I saw it, and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And I messaged Joe, and I was like, I'm going to buy this, and he's like, I'm going to buy this too. <laughs> so we both backed this 24-pound Kickstart box and received this game, and I think that's when our hobby kind of blew up. So we mm-hmm. just started, because of that unique gameplay it kind of was, I was just more intrigued. Now, I, I should, I'm skipping some things. We played like Seven Wonders. We were slowly getting there, but it was really Gloomhaven that kind of pushed it over. I don't know why. I think maybe it was just the fact that you were using cards and doing unique things. But we're like, what else is there to discover? So it just kind of blew up from there. And during our Gloomhaven campaigns, that's when we discovered Kyle and Mike. Mm. And yeah, kind of formed this group. So, mm. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Joel. You're welcome. All right. Uh, I am Mike Tobis, and uh, I got introduced to board games pretty young. My older brother uh, was really into things like Dungeons and Dragons, Battlemasters, uh, Hero Quest, Key to the Kingdom. So, kind of got introduced to the fantasy world more than anything. So, I always kind of grew up loving that, which is why I got really into things like World of Warcraft and Magic the Gathering, Pokemon. So I played, really played Pokemon and Magic pretty much throughout middle school and high oh, school. Yeah. It was a lot of it. Played all that all the way through until I met Kyle again for the second time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, Kyle and I kind of grew up together. Um, we really good friends and then we just kind of lost communication for a while. Um, but I actually ran into him, Hy-Vee, one day and uh, 
he invited me over for board games and I came over and I uh, didn't really realize how many different types of board games there were, you know, so I, I was only introduced to those few war games and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I just fell in love and it's kind of been an addiction ever since. Uh, my story's pretty simple, but, eh, but it has just as much meaning. Um, yeah, this is the friendship that we've all made from running into each other randomly at Hy-Vee one day. It's been pretty, pretty crazy for me. It's been a big change in life. So, uh, it's, it's been a blessing. Yeah, that's cool. For sure. Dude, and when you say it was a while that we had seen each other. It's I mean, it was probably seven or eight years at yeah. least. Yeah, we're talking like almost a <laughs> decade. I, almost a decade. So, yeah, we were, we were in band together and everything kind of fell apart one day and everybody nobody talked to each other since. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So, I didn't even realize Kyle lived in the same town as me until I randomly ran into him. So Yeah, it was pretty nuts. Uh, that is nuts. That's cool. I didn't know that. So I, I also want to interject that if you hear... Uh, whimpering. It's just me, Dorn. <laughs> I promise you, it's not our fifth member <laughs> whimpering about how he couldn't make it. It, it was, in fact, uh, my one of my children. So, if you hear that, just just know that it's not as creepy as it may sound on the recording. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah. So I guess. Um, well, my name is Kyle Schubert. As you already have heard earlier on, my name's Kyle Schubert. <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess, I, you know, just like normal kids uh, growing up in, in the United States, we like you guys all said, I, I played the mass market games. I had this really cool uh, Lion King game when I was younger. Uh, it was I like think a, they actually made that again. It's at Walmart. See, that's if so. it is, I need to get it <laughs> because so it was like a a spin and move game, but you'd get to certain points on the board and you'd play these little like dexterity mini games, oh. and you'd like flick the lions onto things and like it it was sweet. <laughs> um, but it, thematic. So. Yeah, 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 simulating yeah. Mufasa <laughs> leaping onto <laughs> his prey and just tearing it. it shreds. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. So yeah, you know, played a, a lot of that stuff when I was younger. Um, but I remember when the first set of Yu-Gi-Oh cards came out in English. So it was like the very first set. Me and me and uh, a friend of mine went and bought uh, some packs. Had no idea how to play the game, but we like made decks, whatever, and and tried playing. Made up rules basically, um, and and that was super awesome. Which then actually led us to create our own trading card game it was called uh jack battle cards <laughs> jack was the acronym of the three people who were playing the game and creating the game j-a-k um it was super awesome we drew our you know drew our own cards came up with some very loose rules and then continued to break them and and it, it was ridiculous. And then that actually led to us creating another game, uh, which this was kind of my first, you know, journey into to board game design, which obviously at that time, I w- we were just like, oh, dude, let's make these cool games. Like, <laughs> we just had fun playing them. So we ended up uh, creating like a, a very primitive war game with the little plastic green army men. Oh, yeah. You know? Classic. We, yeah. So we... we 
would would use those, and we'd have dice for the combat, and we had these little strings that we'd use for movement, and you could move like oh. you know so far based on the on the string, and and it was awesome. And if we bought like tanks or like helicopters or whatever, we made up like oh the the tank would have five lives instead of one like the little guys and. And you so might, you might have some copyright like claims yeah, here that you I know, could you know approach some of the wargaming I know publishers. This was yeah, this was when I was in like <laughs> sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. Um, so yeah, so so that was really cool. And then uh, as I got a little bit older, actually, it was quite a long time. I, I would guess probably almost almost eight eight years or so. Um, I started, so this was like when I was in, it would have been out of high school because I got really into video games. You know, when I was in high school, I loved video games. Um, I loved like the one, the, the single player, uh, experiences. All right. Sorry about that guys. We took a little break. The, the, the little one, the little babe, the sweet, sweet little babe. You don't have to talk about me that way. (laughs) Was uh, having a hard time, so wanted to make sure we didn't have three minutes of my son crying. <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah, just sharing that I, I got into video games real heavy. I uh, loved, like, the Elder Scrolls games and, um, you know, even older, like, single-player RPGs. Uh, but then, uh, after I graduated from high school, I started helping with this youth group, and I... Uh, met this other guy that was also helping with the youth group, and he was going to uh, college in the town that I lived in. Um, and he introduced me to uh, games like Settlers, uh, games like Munchkin, Killer Bunny, games that I frankly can't stand now. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, this is awesome. Oh, yeah. Dude, Munchkin was so awesome Munchkin. back in the day. Yeah. Loved Munchkin. Yeah, and then even even when the game lasted for like two and a half hours, you were like, "This is this is great." It was two and a half hours of fun then. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so th- those were some of the first games that I was introduced to. Um, and, that, and that's we should we should interject here. No offense if you like Munchkin, we still love you. Oh, oh yeah. seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we yeah taste the, taste change exactly and that's and kind of the point will too eventually yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally just kidding uh um, we 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 love to joke around i mean that's yeah, like yeah. our group where we're never serious like if you hear us say three minutes of serious stuff in this podcast then you it's, should probably send us a mail yeah. and like what, what's going on here send us <laughs> a mail uh, just <laughs> at one. least one please, please just one one mail we'll yeah. read it live it'll be fun yeah, 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 exactly. We'll we'll read it on the podcast, the mail. Uh, we could yeah. have a mailbag segment. We could pull out the mail. We could the just mailman. copy "Shut Up and Sit Down" and not say that we're copying them and just do exactly what they do. Yeah, so i I loved I loved those games at the time. Um, they were fantastic, and like Joel said, our you know my tastes have changed, and and I think all of our tastes have probably changed quite a lot. Um, but those were, those were kind of my introduction, uh, to, to hobby games outside of, you know, Risk was probably like my favorite board game at that time because that was, um, you know, maybe the heaviest or, or the most complex game that I had played, uh, up to that point. 
Um, but then I was introduced to Axis and Allies. Uh, and that game just, like, blew my mind. I think the first game that we played was, like, six hours, and we, we didn't even finish the game. And then I was able to play it again, and we finished the game, and it took, like, eight and a half hours. <laughs> and I was like, dude, where are more games like this? Because um, I, I think people, like, have a propensity towards board games. Like, you can learn to like them. But I think there's just something like innate in certain people that pulls them towards deeper gaming experiences. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I was uh, I was just looking for something more. Uh, the the this the friend that showed me Catan and and Killer Bunnies and whatever. He also introduced me to Hero Clicks. Uh, so I got super into that for a little while. Uh, I loved the superhero thing. And so, so I was really into that. And then maybe, I don't know, four years after that, four or five years after that, um, I met this other guy who, you know, we became really close friends, but he was super into hobby games. Dominion was and is still his favorite game of all time. And so he introduced me to... Uh, games like Dominion, games like Ticket to Ride, all the kind of what we would consider gateway games. Um, and what was cool is like that was like his favorite thing to do. So every time we hung out, it was like let's play, let's play a game. So really quickly, this desire for uh, deeper gaming experiences uh, just went headlong into this is all we're gonna do whenever we hang out is play board games and really after that it was uh it was kind of all downhill or or uphill depending on your perspective it's all about perspective yeah yeah <laughs> i don't, i actually don't really like either i'd rather just kind of go on flat ground if i can because <sighs> no pain no gain i mean both uphill and downhill take a little more effort than what i want to put <laughs> forward so um <laughs> So yeah, and then I, you know, I got into some game design. I've always, you know, like I said, when I was younger, I, I did a little game designing, if you want to call it that. Uh, but then I, there was a season in my life where uh, we kind of went on a crazy adventure as a family, and uh, I was without a job for a little while, and decided that I was going to design a game, and and uh, I did, and and it was not good, but some people liked it, so I was like excited about that, and. Um, then I, you know, slowly started putting down more ideas and, and designing more games. And, and uh, so, yeah, that. And then, oh, yeah, so then the story of how I met you guys, which is just phenomenal. Oh, it's epic. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, but so we moved back closer to our, our hometown after moving around for a while as a family. And I was like, I'm going to find... I'm going to try to find some people in my general vicinity that play board games. There's got to be somebody, you know, even if I have to drive, you know, a while to, to meet up with them, um, I'm going to find them. So I went on Board Game Geek and I just did like a user search for within, I don't know, 60 miles of, of my area code. And I think there was like two, two <laughs> profiles or whatever, like... One of them 
logged in like 10 years ago. <laughs> and then the other profile was somebody in my town in Spencer Small where we currently live. Yeah. And they logged in like yesterday. And so I was like, I know I'm going to come off as like a weird, creepy guy, <laughs> but it's, it's worth a shot. So I sent Joe a message on BoardGameGeek, and I was like, hey man, uh, this might be weird or whatever, but I see that you are into board games, and so you want to like, I don't know, go on a date or something, <laughs> and we can like hold hands and whatever you want to do, but we could play games. Um, and at this point, I, I had actually met, well, not met, but reconnected with Mike, and we had played a, a few games together, and it was just the two of us. Um, there was another group of guys that we were meeting with, but they weren't really that interested in it. Um, so then I was like, hey, Joe, like, can me and a friend come over and, and we'll, you know, hang out or whatever? And I was glad Mike was with me when we went over to Joe's house, because just like he was probably unsure of, of who was... <laughs> Coming to his house, we were unsure of who we were going to meet, and so yeah. So, and I have to interject something here. So it's it's really funny too that you mentioned that because at that time my wife was out of town, and she had our kids. Actually, I'm trying to remember. No, she had. So she had our younger kids um, with her, and I had our two older ones with me. And so I had the kids down for the night. And was having this stranger come over to my Two house. <laughs> Two strangers. Well, at the time, it was just going to be one oh, at, yeah. at first. And so, it, like, in the board gaming hobby, we talk about this all the time as a group here. And and hopefully all, all the listeners out there feel the same way. Because I feel like the hobby, generally speaking, is is kind of the same wherever you go. In that people are generally good people. They're They're welcoming. They're warm. They're inviting. They're friendly. Whether you go to conventions or meetups... People in the hobby just generally tend to be good people. And my personality type is generally like, you know, I, I assume the best and I, you know, so, but there's this little voice in the back of my head, you know, and I'm like, okay, there's a stranger, you know, strange person coming to my house and my kids are sleeping and, you know, and it's just me here. And, and so th that was a small part of it. But in reality, it was also like, hey, Joel, like, this guy that I just met wants to come play games and he's bringing a friend and do you want to come? And then there's four of us and that's like the perfect number for games, oh, yeah. you know? And it was just like a, a perfect situation uh, on my end, you know? And so... And and yeah, and it, it was great because none of us turned out to be super creepy no, weirdos. It worked no, out great. No one was murdered that night. There was we no play? homicides. I totally forget uh, we, we, we played. played Descent, I think. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. We played Descent. Yeah, so that yeah. that was another oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. another part of my my evolution of of uh, gaming was when I first started like buying my own games and and started you know my own collection. Um, I was really into really thematic games, uh, dungeon crawl games, like anything that kind of resembled that single player RPG vibe that I so enjoyed in video games back when I played video games. So that was how my collection started and I had quite a few of those and that's what I was into. Uh, but but my tastes have since changed uh, since then. Uh, but yeah, after we met that night, it was like, dude, this is awesome. And honestly, <laughs> like this group is now, 
I mean, these guys are, are some of my best friends. Uh, and especially in our, our area, like I'm not, I'm not that close to too many people, uh, in the area. And so, so I'm thankful that like I met you guys and, and that you didn't say, mm, uh, yeah, yeah. How about we, how about we don't do that? Um, it's cool. I could have, I could have instead invited you to play, to watch stranger things with me or something. Uh, things would have gone a lot differently. I feel they like. they would have gone a lot <laughs> a lot differently. Yeah, I agree with that. So so yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of our stories. Yeah, yeah, but we still have John's. John, we we do have have John, and and when he's on, he'll kind of share how he got connected. Which I'm actually very interested to hear because. It was a off the was, top of my. We don't have to. We don't have to say. But, oh yeah, we shouldn't ruin it. Yeah, we don't want to ruin the surprise. I know everyone listening is like on, on, the, on yeah. the edge, Probably just sweating. Like wait, us. Yeah, waiting to hear John's <laughs> story. Uh, he is right now, but I actually, off the top of my head, can't think of how I even met him or where he came from. So, so I'm very, I'm very interested now to. He, to he hear emerged his. from the fog <laughs> and just appeared one time. We actually grew. He was grown. <laughs> we need the perfect board game. <laughs> We couldn't get our wives to join in our gaming group, so we just grew a person. <laughs> and now, yeah, that's that's great. So cool. Um, you guys, the listeners, you you will get to know us uh, more too as time goes on, and more of our our tastes as we um, tell you how much we hate Phase Ten and and uh, Rummy Cube. Rummy Cube. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> Oh, mom. Mom loves Remy Cube. So, uh, so yeah, let's move on to let's let's move on to uh, our thoughts on the game that we played, the Taverns of Tiefenthal. Taverns of Tiefenthal. Tiefenthal, <laughs> as we like to call it. That's what we've been calling it all night. So. I'll, I'll lead the charge. I thought it was great. I nice. It was great. Joel is always the first to jump in. Two point yeah. upgraded. Head Quacks. first. A lot of lot of thought. It was good. I really enjoyed it. I was dead last. <laughs> per usual. Per usual. But I loved it. It was good. One thing that's good to note, though, right now is that Joel could have won, but he did not utilize his <laughs> one cheat per game allowance. So he. I'm really trying to not do that as much. <laughs> I just want to be a I don't even. Player. I don't even want to share this story because I just think that you getting the, the stigma of, like, you're a cheater, I think that that's cool. I think well, that's here's funny. Here's the big difference, too. Is, is it cheating or is it just kind of forgetting a rule? That's The listeners that's will it. never know. Yeah, we'll They'll never know. So, Joe, why don't you just kind of give us a, a little overview of what this game is all about? Yeah, so the Taverns of Tiefenthal is uh, the latest game by Wolfgang Warsh, and uh, he is the designer of the famed Quacks of Quedlinburg mm. and uh, many others. But Quacks is, is kind of his latest big hit, and so this is kind of coming hot on the heels of that. Um, and it, is, it just came out this year, right? It did, yep. It's a 2019 wow. release. I think it, it probably just came out at, uh, at Gen Con, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, but anyway, um, it's a dice drafting deck building game, combining those two mechanics. And basically the theme is that you are 
the owner of a pub, a tavern, and you are trying to serve the guests in your tavern to the best of your ability by accommodating their, their drink requests and washing the dishes and having the, the, the server capacity, having enough beer, uh, enough brewers to make that beer. And uh, you're doing all that with your deck of cards. So you're purchasing basically uh, by, by using a currency of money and beer, you're purchasing new guests to attend your, your tavern and, uh, and then the help that you need to, to make the tavern run. And the, the coolest thing I think about this game is the modular player boards. So the board basically fits together like a puzzle and there are all these inset tiles and puzzle piece connected tiles and you literally pay the upgrade cost and you flip that component over and then it does something better. And just the artwork, it's kind of a, a, a three quarter bird's eye view. Um, the art is, is beautifully done. And, and just the tactile act of, of picking up those components and flipping them over and reconnecting them and, and how everything fits together and, and it's all printed and then punched as one seamless piece of cardboard so the art fits together seamlessly. And mm. you're, you're, you're starting to get a sense a little bit as to my perspective and take on, on gaming too is that that tactile nature and the, and the artwork those sides of board gaming really uh, draw me in and, and are attractive to me and are, are big aspects of, of games that I love. So this one in particular for me, I fell in love with at first sight, basically watching playthroughs and, and demos and things online because of the, the tactile nature of it and how great the art is. Uh, but the gameplay is awesome. Like Joel said, it's there, there's a there's a little bit of a pusher luck nature to it. Um, he, he mentioned that it's kind of like Quacks 2.0. It's, it's definitely a little heavier, but it's definitely not a heavy game. Um, yeah. I, it didn't feel like it outstayed its welcome. It's eight pretty quick rounds. There's a lot of simultaneous aspects to the game, but then you also get to take your time you know, doing your thing at certain points too, and, and, it, and it doesn't feel rushed. You get to watch what everyone else is doing, which also feels kind of fun and exciting too. And uh, overall, it's just it's a really, really fun game. And one of the really cool things about it as well is that it comes with five modules built into the, the, the uh, base game box. So after playing it and, and being ready to kind of expand the game a little bit, you're, you're already, you've got those preset modules ready to go. Um, and I think that's awesome. It gives you a, a lot more playability as well. So we're yet to explore those, but I feel like there's a lot just in the base game to, to get a, a number of playthroughs in before I even really feel like that's necessary. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think for me, uh, control is really important in games, and, and therefore uh, luck or or large amounts of luck uh, is is a big turnoff for me. Um, simply because I I like to have control. Um, determinism is what I look for in games, where uh, I'm making a decision and that decision is going to come to fruition how I intended it to, right? Um, so there is, there is uh, you know, quite a few areas of luck in the game, but the design handles all of those aspects uh, just right for me. Um, yeah, I would definitely say it's a, a, you know, medium, probably, I would even say maybe a lighter on the lighter side of medium. Um, a lot of the games that, that we tend to play in this group are, you know, medium going into heavy. 
that I would say that's probably the the spot, the sweet spot for our group. Uh, but this game, actually, there was enough going on to to hold my attention. It was like right at that point where there was enough things for me to think about, uh, enough paths to consider, and enough choices for me to consider that uh, it, it definitely kept me engaged. Uh, and like I said, all the areas of luck. So there's dice in the game, and you roll the dice, but then there's a draft. Anytime that there's uh, a draft or where the, the dice are uh, used by all of the players instead of like, you know, you have your dice and I have my dice and we roll them and then we have to deal with whatever we roll. And if I consistently roll garbage and you consistently roll really well, like you're just going to do way better than me. This game does not handle it that way. Because there's a draft once we roll, you could roll horribly and still do well in the game. And then there's the deck building aspect of the game, where again there's there's a, a level of luck whenever you have cards. There's a, a you know a level of luck there because you're you're drawing cards. It's it's a randomizer. Um, but deck building is is still it still lets you feel like you're you're making decisions and those decisions are are meaningful because you're the one that's deciding what cards are going into the deck. And so like we were discussing a little bit uh, before the recording um, with quacks, like the stuff you take out of the bag gets put right back into the bag and you might choose to, to buy, you know, a token that you never actually get to use. And like, for me, that sucks. And like my brain, there's like this dissonance in my brain. Whereas with, with taverns, like if you put a card in your deck, it goes right on top. So that's, that's a cool mechanism of the game, I think, is when you get a new card, it always goes right on top of your draw deck. So you're going to get to use that new card right away during your next hand. Like Kyle said when, when I was explaining the rules before we sat down to play, he says it's like they're just giving us the cake and the ice cream and the frosting <laughs> and all the desserts right up. And we don't even have to wait for the main course. We can just go right to dessert. Yeah, they were very gracious. Uh, so, so yeah, I, you know, this is not maybe typically the, the, the style or, or kind of game that I would gravitate to towards naturally, uh, but I really enjoyed it. I, I thought that, like I said, it handled all of the aspects of luck really well. Um, it, the pacing was really nice. It, it moves really quickly. Um, obviously, you know, it slows down a little bit as the game progresses because you have more things to consider and more choices to make. But it still was was paced really well. Um, you, you, you never, because of the simultaneous aspects of, of the rounds, it just, you were always moving. And if you were Joel, you were even like, three or four steps ahead of everyone else. Um, so so he hey, was... Mike was also pretty aggressive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, it moved really well. I, I had a really good time with it for, for being the, the kind of game that it is and, and me tending towards, you know, heavier games and, and games that are, um, you know, mostly no luck at all and very little randomness. Um, I, thought it, I thought it was a good game. I, I would play this you know, a hundred times over playing Quacks. Just my I was first. actually I was actually gonna make a point. I it probably would be 
a natural move to go from quacks to taverns. Yeah, when and, you're and trying to change, not change someone's mind, more like introduce newer players to and more interesting mechanics. Yeah, I can't remember if we said this already, but for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about when we say quacks, it's the quacks of Quedlinburg. And I, I know we mentioned it earlier. I don't know if we said just quacks, but um, it's a it's a bag building game, and it's a, a, a huge hit from Wolfgang Warsh from 2018. Very, I very much push your luck. I think yeah. that one was yeah. uh, up for the Spiel des Jahres. I can't remember if it won or not, but a, 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 yeah, very popular game, well regarded, and. And loads of fun, but again, like Kyle said, it, it depends a little bit on what your tastes are, what your exactly. preferences are. Yep. And with this one, I would definitely agree with you, Joel, that it's it's kind of a natural next step or next move. Um, I don't think that that means that you shouldn't own both of them. I actually do own both of them, and I, I can see different times where I would pull each one out, respectively. Mm. Oh, sure, yeah. But the, the theme in this one especially came through for me. And <laughs> if you're the type of player that likes to have some theme with your game... I think this one works exceptionally well. Um, you're taking cards that show patrons on them and you're seating that patron at a table or you're taking a cardboard token with a, a guest and you're seating them at the counter at the bar um, and, and you're, you're collecting beer in beer barrels. Uh, there's even little schnapps tokens for one of the modules. And uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I think, I think the theme is a winner here. And like I already mentioned, the artwork and, and, uh, and the gameplay. It's a, it's a good solid package. Solid packages. Solid package. <laughs> I, I, so the theme, I think, yeah, I think the theme could either really get you pumped or it could turn you off if you're like a prohibitionist and you like <laughs> don't, don't want to have anything to do with alcohol, then that might be a, an area. Because I think I agree with you. I think it does, the theme does come through really well. Um, and so even, you know, you read like all the names of the different yeah. Parts of the round. All the phases have really <laughs> awesome creative names, like the guests arrive phase and the here comes the server phase <laughs> and the, the closing time phase when you do your cleanup of all your cards that you've played. So little little details like that really just stick in my mind and, and I, I love that stuff. I think the attention to detail is another winner for me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree that I, I think you could own uh, both games uh, you could have both of them in your collection. I, I think that uh, Quacks, I think that would appeal uh, more to, uh, you know, lighter gamers or, or even non-gamers. I, I think that when it comes to the way that Quacks handles luck, I think it it kind of mitigates some of the, the, the chasm that could be there in terms of players with different skill levels. Oh, there's right? a huge catch-up mechanic. Yeah, so, so you could have players of vastly different skill levels mm -hmm. or, or even vastly different experiences with, with gaming and you could get them together to play quacks and they could all do relatively well Yeah, and everybody could feel like they're doing well. And, and so I, I think that that's a, a good game for that kind of, you know, context, but taverns, I think is a step up from that. Like yeah. you were saying, Joel. And, and I think if you had some players that were, uh, they liked some of the mechanisms or some of the things you were doing, but wanted maybe a little bit more depth, maybe a little bit more choice, maybe a little bit wider decision space. And a little bit more control. And a Yeah, and a little bit more control. I think that, that taverns would be great uh, for, for them. And on the flip side of that, too, if you're a, a gamer or in a group where you play mostly really heavy Euros 
and you're looking for something that's a little bit more than just a, a super light, cheesy filler, this might hit the sweet spot too, where it's a little bit lighthearted. You can kind of laugh, yeah. and, you know, and again, like Kyle said, if you're okay with the theme and I mean, you feel like you're running a tavern and you're serving beer <laughs> to patrons and it, you know, I, I think this would, would kind of fill a, a nice sweet spot. I think the playtime on BGG is 60 minutes and for your first playthrough, it might take a little longer than that. But once you've got a play under your belt, you know, like Kyle said earlier, the rounds can move pretty quickly and there's a lot of simultaneous activity going on and it could fit that really nice hour to you know, maybe even 45 minute playtime as a sort of a semi-filler uh, that's that's just a step up from the really light stuff if you're more a heavier gaming group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. So I'm I'm not a big fan of like take that you know mechanisms in in games. Uh, but what was great about taverns was that um, there definitely is a, a level of of interaction. There's a a level of of direct player interaction because of the draft. Yeah. So you're able to have uh, for the for the players that you know, really need that or want that, uh, that layer of player interaction. So it's not so multiplayer solitaire, you know, um, you have that in this game, but a lot of what you're doing is still like just on your board. And, and there's not a lot of ways necessarily to like totally screw somebody else up. So I think it's a really good balance in there between those two different tastes. One thing that is really nice too that I think is worth mentioning is that in the in the dice drafting aspect of the game, the rules allow for the drafting to take place in player order. So the way mm-hmm. the drafting works is that each player has four dice on a little coaster, an actual cardboard coaster. And to start the drafting, the first player at the time uh, with the first player marker will take one of the dice off of his coaster. And then the next player, after that first player has chosen his die, will take her die from her coaster. And it continues around in player order until you get back to the first player again, and he takes his second die. And the interesting thing about that is that while you have a lot of other simultaneous activities going on in the game in other phases, in the dice drafting phase, you can pay attention to what your neighbor to your left or your right has on his coaster or her coaster or on his or her board in terms of cards and 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 uh, die allocation locations, you know, placement locations, so that you can choose a die that helps you or does not help your neighbor. So there's also the opportunity to strategize in that regard where it feels like there's more interaction than maybe there really is because you're not directly doing anything mm. to your neighbor. There's no take that, like Kyle said, but there is an opportunity to have a little bit of that interaction between the players where I'm looking to my right and I can see that Mike's not going to give me what I really want. And there can be a little bit of an opportunity for a banter there or whatever. And, um, you know, kicking him in the shin under the table. (laughs) Joe, Joe was to my left and I was really trying hard to hate draft on him. But the problem was that he did a really good job of, uh, setting up his deck to where he could utilize pretty much every every die number, and so like I I was trying I was try I was I was conscious of what he needed and what he didn't need, and I, I felt the hatred. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was successful on that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I thought it I thought it was a I thought it was a winner. Yeah, it was good. I, I it was thought great. it was good. You you liked it, Mike? Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, it, I. 
I think the one thing about the take that part you're talking about is, yeah, I can maybe try to fight what you're doing, but then at the same time, I'm only going to hurt myself. So yeah, um, it's about focused on yourself, I would think, and, and it kind of seems at, at the start. Yeah, yeah, and I actually that's I think that's why why I actually really liked the game uh, was simply because you know I I don't really like or need much direct player interaction. That's just my taste. Um, I really enjoy multiplayer solitaire games. Um, so that's, that's just, you know, my thing. And so it, it kind of, it can, it can meet both types of tastes, uh, somewhere in the middle. And, and I think it did a good job. So way to go, Mr. Wolfgang. Yeah. Another thing too, there's only eight rounds, but in those eight rounds, you can switch your game plan, maybe a third of the way through and still be pretty successful. So I think that was interesting because I had switched maybe even halfway and I still did fairly well considering I mm-hmm. think I was only one beer away from getting second. So I think that that is the story of our lives, isn't it? <laughs> Are we all one beer We're away? We're just one beer away from, from getting life. second. <laughs> <Yes>. or, <laughs> or from the next big success, whatever that might be. Yeah. Well, awesome. So that was, that was our, those are our thoughts on taverns. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good thoughts. I, I'm guessing that we'll have some games that we'll play that we won't be so enthusiastic on. Um, if if John was here, he could tell the listeners about his thoughts on, you know, La Isla. La, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Porta Negra. He could he could share a little bit of how he feels. We'll let that. We'll let him do that. We'll let that tantalizing we'll yeah. little yeah. little uh, notion out there yeah, for called, that's for the next cliffhanger. One. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think we are going to wrap up uh, this first first episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, go ahead and check out hexandcube.com. Uh, check out some of the, the articles. Leave comments. Um, join the conversation there. Check me out on uh, Facebook or just check me out. <laughs> like a library book. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, no, you can you can uh, connect with me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and also, where, wherever you're listening to this, leave a comment, a review, um, give us a, a rating, whatever. However, the system you know lets you rate uh, podcasts. Those things help a lot uh, with getting this off the ground and getting us in front of more people. So if, if you enjoyed it, show some love. Otherwise, what is love? <laughs> baby, don't <laughs> Next episode, we will be covering whatever songs you ask us to cover. Yeah, yeah. Leave, it'll be leave. Celine Dion themed, and it'll be cosplayed by us. So. <laughs> Which again is not quite as exciting because they can't see what's going on. Maybe we need to. We need to vlog it. Yeah, Ooh. maybe I need to. Post some pictures on. Uh, well, I I, I told you media. we we didn't need, all need to be in share cosplay for tonight's episode, but Mike. <laughs> but when did we ever listen? Mike insisted. <laughs> this is the longest outro ever. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, cool. Until next time. Have a great time. I was gonna well. say thanks for watching. <laughs>